Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We piece together our images of God from our childhood. If you go back and think as a child about how you thought about God, there's probably aspects that are still with you to this day. They've been shaded, perhaps even controlled, from experiences with our fathers, with our mothers, Maybe even our grandparents, church, the hymns of church, the smells of church, or maybe the lack of smells in church, Sunday school, maybe the felt boards, if some of you are of that age. I still had them when I was a kid. I don't know if that says much about my age or just the church that I grew up in. The Sunday school teachers and what they told you about God. The times that you actually turned to God in prayer in your youth. And if you didn't grow up in church, there's still fragments of ideas of God that you got from the culture, from your parents, from schoolmates, from movies, from shows. All of these images, experiences, I think it was in my late teens that I finally kind of dawned on me that God was not a bearded man up in the clouds, because that is kind of one of the typical images that we get of God. God is some mighty, powerful, almost Zeus-like figure up there. Some of this we grow past. Hopefully we've all grown past bearded man in the clouds as our primary image of who God is. If not, come and see me. We need to talk. (laughs) God, for many of us, though, those experiences, they're still primal. They're still how we reflect and experience God. Because the shading, the influence many times for the worse, come from experiences that we had as children. And unfortunately, these experiences and our imagination, how we picture God, can ultimately destroy our relationship with God. Because some of the fragments, some of the ideas that we get, not just in our head, but that reside deep down inside of our heart, They can make us want to run away. They can make us shirk any kind of responsibilities that we have towards God. They can make us curse God and to want to just go away. Can you imagine the prodigal as he's sitting there in the pigsty? He's blown all of the money. He's had a great time, really great time. 
Some of it he can't even remember, probably. He's living off of trash. And what does he remember? He remembers his father's house. He remembers the love of his father. Can you imagine what the prodigal son, if he had imagined what his father is like, and he said, I don't think I want to go back there. I'd rather stay here in the pigsty. He may want to return, but those images or how he depicts or how he remembers his father could have delayed his return, could have put off his return to a point where he got back up on his feet and everything was, you know, just okay. We often call this parable the, pro- the parable of the prodigal son. The church even calls this the Sunday of the prodigal son. We could also call this, this parable the image of the foolish love of God, the abundant foolish love of God. From the very beginning, God's abundant love for his son is given up even as his son is basically saying, you know what, I wish you were dead already, so go ahead and give me half the estate. Let me take my inheritance. Does the father argue with him? Does the father slam doors? Does the father pout? Does the father want to argue with him down out of his foolishness? The father divides it and gives it to him. The father's love allows for the son's freedom, even the freedom to make horrible decisions, foolish decisions. We often forget the love that God gives us in our freedom, that he gives us the freedom even to make foolish decisions. And that he gives and gives and gives even as we spend it all. We forget the love of God, the life of his household, and we seek that love elsewhere. Either it's not enough for us or we've thought something evil of our father and we turn into a far distant land And we just waste it all. Today in the epistle, we have a very strong word for us about sexual immorality. And in the prodigal son, one of the elements of his prodigalness is that he spent his money, his inheritance on harlots. The challenge of sexual immorality, especially for us today, is incredibly incredibly strong fornication adultery pornography all sorts of sexual sins that keep us away from the love of God because we're seeking ultimately God's love but we seek it somewhere else we join ourselves and our bodies to things that we should not Forgetting the love of God, the life of his household, the abundance that is there, and we go and we waste it 
on things that are momentary. When the prodigal awakes, remembers his father, and he returns, God does not lecture him. He does not take his finger out and say, I told you so, because he didn't say anything. He does not uh, ask him, okay, now there's interest on the inheritance. We've got to rebuild what you just wasted. Scripture tells us that the father, seeing his son far off, runs to him. For God's love, even in our prodigalness, has never stopped. It is always present. It is always pursuing us. It is always ready to literally throw a party when we return and repent. And what hymn from last evening. Brothers, our purpose is to know the power of God's goodness. For when the prodigal son abandoned his sin, he hastened to the refuge of his father. The good man embraced him and welcomed him. He killed the fatted calf and celebrated with heavenly joy. The angels rejoice. Let us learn from this example to offer thanks to the Father who loves all men and to the glorious victim, the Savior of our souls. Repentance comes when we remember the love of God. When the prodigal awakes, it's not that he remembers God's rebuke, God's shaking of the finger. He remembers the love of God and wants to come back to the abundance, the ever-present love of God. Because this is what God wants. God does not want us to leave his household. Even though he allows us to do it, God is always already desiring our repentance, and he absolutely rejoices in our return. He's not looking to get one in on us, to hold something over our head, But we need to, in returning, like the prodigal son, remember his love and in humility say, I've wasted everything. Have me back even if I need to be a hired hand. The other image that we need to come away with the abundant and foolish love of God is not just for the prodigal son, but for the elder son. The prodigal son has the ring, the new shoes, The coat, the fatted calf has been slaughtered. The party is raging. And you've got the elder son outside pouting. Why does younger brother get all of this love? I've been here the whole time. I've been obedient. And what does the father do? Again, the father goes out. He seeks out his pouting elder son. His jealous, judgmental, resent, the resentment, you can probably just see it. You can just see him off the darkness. You can see the light of the house. You can see him in the darkness, just sitting there, staring off into his own abyss. (coughs) And God goes after him. And it says that he pleads with him. Pleads with him. The elder son has forgotten the true nature of God. Turned to himself and his feelings, what he feels like is right. 
he's forgotten who God is. Because, as we've said from the very beginning in this parable that our Lord has given us, God freely gives without strings attached, and the elder son does not agree with this. God's love is not conditional. It is unconditional. God seeks us out, even in the muck, the mire, even when our feelings or our poutiness or our resentment or our jealousy or our judgments cloud our vision, he seeks us out and he pleads with us. Ready, of course, to remit us back to the party. It's not that he tells him, go to your room. He tells him, come to the feast. Even when we reject our Lord's generosity, God seeks us out. The story of the prodigal son, an infamous story, we've all heard this, would not be the story that we know of the return of the son, and the envy of the elder father of the elder son, without the foolish and abundant love of God the Father. Let us always remember this love of God. Let us not get stuck in images, in emotions of things that we have against God or have crept into our mind, into our heart. Taking away all of those, I would say, idols that we have within us that keep us from the loving embrace of God. Let the scriptures, let the face of Jesus Christ break apart all of those fears, all of those things that we have within us that makes us forget God's love, God's running embrace, God's love in his son whom he has sent, the fatted calf, the victim for our sake. Let us keep before us the feast that God has prepared for all who return. Whether it is in prodigal living or whether it is in our own obedient, faithful attendance to his scriptures, to the services, to the life of the church, we all have to be brought back to the party. And I do not say party lightly. This is the image of the kingdom. This is the abundant and foolish love of God for us prodigals, for us resentful elder children, that God is ready to embrace us and escort us to that place at the table for all eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.